following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to John chapter 6? Because I want to give you the equation for a miracle today. How many of you want a miracle? How many of you need a miracle? I tell you, every single person here needs a miracle. I want to give you the equation for a miracle today, because the, this, this story in John chapter 6 is the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. I, I love that story. It's repeated in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right throughout the Gospels. So it's told four, sto- four times from four different angles, and it's the story of Jesus meeting people's needs. And so the background of the story is this. Jesus is teaching amazing truths to people. And by the end of the day, they got hungry. How many of you know that by the end of today, by the end of me finishing preaching, you'll all be hungry? And, uh, and, and we'll serve you downstairs with a tea and biscuit. And, uh, and, but Jesus didn't have tea and biscuits. So he says to the disciples, come on, let's feed these people. Let's give them something to eat. And so this is the story. This is the background to the story. And so we get into verse 7. Philip answered and said, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. Now, how many of you think, what in the heck is 200 denarii worth? Well, a denarii is equivalent to a man's wage for a day. So if we call that 100 bucks today, so 200 denarii would be, what, $20,000? So he's saying, 20 grand. So he said to the disciples, just go to the treasury and pull out 20 grand and go buy some bread for everybody. And they're saying, man, 20 grand wouldn't be enough to give everybody a little bit of bread. We got the, we got the setting to this. And so then in Matthew... When Matthew tells the story, well, Jesus says, well, we'll go into the crowd and find out what we've got. So they go into the crowd, and, and then Andrew, who's Simon Peter's brother, finds a little boy. And he says, we got some food. We got this little boy who's willing to give up his lunch. He's got five little barley loaves and two little fish, and he's willing to give it up. And then... Andrew adds this little phrase, but what are they among so many? I want to give you what Jesus was trying to teach the disciples of this day. Because I love the story. I I love the story on on so many levels. I love, the level that I love is is the level of this little kid saying, I'm willing to give up my lunch. I just love that. I love the fact that everybody despised it except for Jesus. Looks at the little kid's lunch and says, what's, what, you know, the disciples say, what's this among so many? But Jesus, give me the lunch. You know, how many of you sometimes sort of knock back what people give you? Because it's just, oh no, you feel embarrassed. I mean, this, this is one of those embarrassing moments. A little kid says, hey Jesus, I'm willing to give you my lunch. And you get, well, I feel really bad pulling the food out of this little kid's mouth. You know, how many of you are like that? And the disciples says, but it's not going to do anything anyway. But see, Jesus was trying to teach them 
the equation for a miracle. This is what they didn't understand. That there was a lesson here for everybody. And what's the lesson? This is the lesson. Jesus was saying, you want to see a miracle? You've got to do something. You've got to do something. You've got to give something. You've got you've to do something. And then what God does, He adds to that His something. So your something plus His something equals a miracle. And too many people are saying, God, you've got to do something. And God says, I will, but I want to start with your something. But my something is so small. God says, but it's your something with my something that'll equal a miracle. So how many of you are needing a miracle in your life? Well, I've got a word for you. You've got to start with something. What can you do? But, my, but what I do is nowhere near the miracle. It's okay. You do your best and he will do the rest. And that equals a miracle. See, this is the thing that God loves to partner with you. And so you've got to do something. Everybody say, do something. Matter of fact, we've got a song called Do Something. Let's have a listen to this song called Do Something. If you do something and God does something, we got a miracle. And that's exactly what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples. They just couldn't get it. They despised what they could do. And they, they didn't despise what God could do. And too often, that's exactly what happens with us. We despise what we can do and put it all onto, well, God, we believe that you're the God of miracles. You go and do it. And God says, but I like to do it with you. So what can you do? Well, I've got five loaves and two little fish. It's nothing. God says, well, give me that. Then he prayed for it. And it multiplied. And it fed the multitudes. And we're still talking about that little boy's lunch today. 2,000 years later, we're talking about a little boy's lunch. A little boy that was willing. Can you imagine the temptation for him to sort of say, Oh, it's my lunch. I'll go and eat in the corner. Rather, rather than saying, you know what? If Jesus needs my lunch, I'll give him my lunch. It might only be little. It might only be a little kid's lunch. But if Jesus wants it... I'm willing to give it. You know, at the end of the story, the little kid ended up getting fed as well as everybody else. So he didn't miss out, but he was able to bless the multitudes with his lunch. Here's the question that I have for you. What have you got in your hand? What have you got in your house? And what have you got in your heart? The three H's, hand, house, and heart. Because too often, we actually despise what we have in our hand. We despise what we have in our house. And we despise what we have in our heart. But God places something in our hand. God places something in our house. God places something in our heart. And from there, he adds what he can do and it becomes a miracle. And so he goes to Moses and he says, Moses, what have you got in your hand? 
And Moses responds, but I've only got a, a rod in my hand. And God says, well, throw the rod down. Let it, let it go out of your hand and see what happens. And he threw that rod out of his hand and it became a snake. And the Bible tells us that from that miracle, he was able to convince Pharaoh that God was powerful. That same rod in his hand, when he confronted the Red Sea, God said, stretch out that rod. And the Red Sea opened up because Moses used what he had in his hand. Excuse me for the little tickle I have in my throat. Got a tickle in my throat, but a roar in my heart. Ah, Amen. There you go. And so with that rod, he was able to see the miraculous miracle of God. A little widow was, was in need of a great need. And God says, what have you got in your house? And she said, I've got nothing except for a jar of oil. God says, well, that jar of oil is the beginning of a miracle. What have you got in my house? What have you got in your house? I've got nothing. Well, now that I think of it, I've got a little jar of oil. God says, but the jar of oil is the beginning of the miracle. And you know where he says, go and get vessels, not a few. Gather vessels from everywhere. Just gather vessels and then start pouring what you've got. And so as she started pouring that little oil, it started to fill all the vessels. But it started with what she had in a house. God put into the heart of Nehemiah the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem, walls that had been destroyed for 140 years. And he goes to Jerusalem and he does, he's hardly able to tell anybody what God had put in his heart. God had put in his heart this dream of rebuilding. But because he did not despise what God put in his heart, within 52 days they were able to do a miracle that had not been done for 140 years. It was interesting after the first service, someone came up to me and she says, I know what God has put in my heart. I know what I've got in my house, but I really don't know what I have in my hand. I said, well, why don't you pray for God to reveal what you've got in your hand? Why don't you pray what God has put in your house? Why don't you pray for God has put in your heart? Because I'm telling you what you've got in your hand, in your house and in your heart is the beginning of a miracle. A beginning of a miracle. The end of the story with the little boy is this, that not only were 5,000 men, and they only counted men in those days. I don't know why they didn't count the women and children, maybe because it was just too big to count. But I'm telling you, more than 5,000 people were fed that day. And that little five loaves and two fish, the miracle was that when they collected just the leftovers, 12 baskets of leftovers were gathered 12 baskets of leftovers were gathered from five loaves and two fish. If you do something, God will do something, and that'll become a miracle. So here's the big question. Why do we need to do something? That's the big, why do we need to do something? Well, simply because we can. Everybody say, because we can. You can do something. Come on. You are incredibly blessed. I want everybody in this building to say, I am blessed. blessed. Just because you live in Australia, you're blessed. Just because you live in this country, you are incredibly blessed. You are incredibly prosperous. You know what our problem sometimes is? Is that we are more focused on what we don't have than focusing on what we do have. But you are blessed, you know. I, I doubt whether too many of you came to church starving hungry this morning. 
I doubt whether too many of you came to church with nothing to wear. Even though maybe some of you go to your wardrobe and you complain, I've got nothing to wear. There's nobody naked here. So at least I don't think there is. So you've all put something on. You've got something to wear. You're all comfortable. But you know what? We're blessed to be a blessing. And you don't ever lose sight of that, that you're blessed to be a blessing. God has blessed Anne and I abundantly. I'm telling you, every day we wake up and we say, God, thank you for the blessing. We are just so blessed. But with blessing comes this sense of responsibility that we're blessed to be a blessing. And you've got to get that into your spirit, that you're blessed to be a blessing because you can. The second reason why we ought to do something is because it's God's will. It is God's will for you to do something. I loved Sam's communion this morning. Well done, Sam. That was awesome. Give Sam a great big applause. So the great revelation that Sam received when he was in the States was that you're not saved by your works. So your salvation is not connected by what you do. And he quoted that scripture from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. But Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 moves on. It says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So we're not saved by good works, but we're saved for good works. So it's not what you do that gets you saved. That's the free gift of God. But now that you're saved, now out of that gratitude, do something. So you're saved to do something. You're not saved just to say, well, I'm saved now, I'm going to heaven. Woo, I can relax. Well, now that you're saved, what about trying to save the world? What about trying to save somebody else? What about doing something with your life? Because it goes on, it says, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The good works that God has prepared beforehand that we should work them. That's the will of God. God's will for you is to do something with your life. And the third reason that we ought to do something. What was the first reason? Because we can. The second reason is because it's God's will. And the third reason is because we are meant to leave a legacy. A legacy is what you leave behind when you finish this world. Will anybody, when you finish walking this planet, say, I'm so glad that they were here. I'm so glad that they lived an incredibly fruitful life. Will your life really amount to leaving a legacy? Because you don't leave a legacy by what you put away. You leave a legacy by what you give away. Too many people spend their lives putting things away rather than giving things away. And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what you put away. That's not where your legacy lies. It's what you give away. So give away some love today. Give away some encouragement today. Give away some smiles today. Come on, make somebody happy. That's the cheapest thing you can do. You've got a word. You've got something you can give away. Come on, your life will not be measured by what you've kept to yourself, but what you've given to others. That's the measure of someone's life. No point having a light that's hidden. Again, your life will not be remembered by the light that you hid, but by the light that you lit. 
And this is what Jesus was saying. Don't hide your light, but put it on a hill and let it shine. Come on. Can anybody see the shining of your light? Because that's the legacy is when you let that light shine rather than hiding the light. You will not be remembered by what you collected, but what you contributed. And you'll not be remembered by the promises that you made, but by the actions that you committed yourself to. Too many people live in hope. One day I'm going to do this and one day I'm going to do that. And they promise this and they promise that. People are not going to judge you by your promises. They'll judge you by your actions. And too many people live in this state of constant hope. Maybe one day I'll do that. I don't know how many people have come to me and said, John, Pastor John, when I win the lottery, then I'll start to be generous. And my attitude is, and I say to them, you know what? If you're not generous now, you won't be generous then. Because generosity starts now, not tomorrow. Generosity starts by a decision. So let me move on to the next area. How can we do something? So I've said to you why we need to do something. Now, how can we do something? Well, I'm so glad that you're thinking that way. Because the way that we can do something is to get a vision of the needs around us. Just, just get the eyes from, from looking with all that you need inside of you and start lifting it up and start saying, I want to see the needs around me. I want to see what I can do to change my world and start getting a vision. One of the things that we have is we decided that we weren't going to only look to fulfilling the needs of our church, but we wanted to fulfill the needs of our community. We decided that too many churches are introverted churches. They live only for what's within the four walls of their church. We decided one day a long time ago by asking this question, who would miss us if we disappeared? Who would grieve if North Shore Christian Center one day disappeared from this community? And, and, and my response to that is, I, I want the whole community to grieve over it. I want everyone that's living on the North Shore to say, that church made such a difference that now that they're not here, we are suffering because they're not here. And that's the power of a church when it actually reaches out into the community. So you've got to get a vision of, of fulfilling the needs of the community. And once you get the vision of the need, then you need to make a decision to fulfill the need. No point getting a vision if you don't add to the vision a decision. See, this is where you've got to act. You've got to put feet onto something. And so, and so part of our vision is our charity arm that we call Sure Care. So I want to spend the rest of this service talking to you about Sure Care. Now, we have an evangelistic arm in our church. So we, we have people that do evangelism and share the gospel with people. That's not the goal of Sure Care. The goal of Sure Care is our community arm. And the community arm is what are the needs in our community and how can we fill them? We add to that community help. So, so, and these are all the different areas that you can volunteer in. Just, to, just again, it's answering the question, what can I do? What, what's the something that I can do? Well, not only is there food care, but you can also get involved in community help. So at the moment, we've got, uh, we're surrounded by nursing homes. We're surrounded by homes where, where elderly people are basically thrown in there and they're being paid to look after these people until they die. But they just need sometimes just a friendly face 
someone that'll come in and just spark up their day. You know, just think of, think of that. Can you spend an hour a week or an hour a month to go into a nursing home just to spark someone's day? I think Peter goes in there now at the moment. Peter Go, is that right? And um, I'm sure that there's a whole bunch of others that can help in that. Um, we've got refuges that we go to. It's one of the refuges that we are connected to is a refuge where, where, where ladies go to that have been abused. And so they've been just... just pushed down and uh, and so they, they get gathered in this refuge but they've got to then relaunch back into society and for there to be a church around the place that says look how can we help you how can we contribute to your needs what can we do to just get you started again it's just a very powerful force in the community um we got community courses that we run. So we spoke about the marriage course with Joe and Peggy. Please invite people from the community to come. They don't have to belong to our church. And we're not here to proselytize. We're just here to help them. Sure, if they want to join our church, there's no problems in that. But on top of that, we want to add the CAP money course. CAP stands for Christians Against Poverty. And that's just to help people learn how to budget. So many people have not had a mentor help them learn to budget. And so consequently, they, money just slips through their fingers because they just they don't know how to use it properly. So we just want to run a course to help people organize their money properly. Chill, uh, parenting courses as well under community courses. Another, and, uh, and, and so Sue is overseeing all of this. Now, we've got other people on the team that are helping us as well. So we've got uh, Anne and Steph Croft, who are uh, helping us to be involved in community partnership. So we see ourselves as connecting with other community groups, working together to make a difference in our community. So Anne and Steph will represent us on council, will represent us in committees where people get together to discuss what are the community needs. And so we'll have our church and Shore Care out there represented. Another area that we wanted to get involved in, and, and David and Sarah DeHorn, uh, why don't you stand up, Sarah? David's already standing. Yeah. <clears throat> Sarah and David have got a real passion for home help. And the whole thing with home help is where there are people that just can't do things. One of the things that really just gets me fired up is... Little old ladies that can't change a light globe because it's too high for them and they're afraid to get on a chair have to hire a professional to come in that charges them $100 call-out fee just to change a light bulb. What, you know, what is the matter with a community that just can't help a little old lady change a light globe? Home help. We, we, we got this funny call the other day where someone was in hospital and they needed someone just to look after their goldfish while they were in hospital. And so, what did you do, David? You um, organized? Did you do it yourself or did yeah. you get someone? You did it yourself. So we went in for a couple of weeks and, um, and fed this big fish called Blackie. Oh, it wasn't just a little goldfish. It was a big blackfish. It was a monster shark. It was a whale. And, uh, <laughs> but just stuff like that. It's just, you know, little stuff like that. We can do that. We're a community of people that have got resources. What have you got in the house? What have you got in your hand? What have you got in your heart? Just simple community help. 
What about uh, makeovers? Where's Phil Berner? It was in the first service, Phil. So, uh, so th- there, there are makeovers that we can do. We can help people by just going into their situation and, and just making a difference. And, um, you know, I just love the fact that we're able to help your house and, and all your guys. They're at the back. And uh, just go in there and make a difference. And, uh, you know, one of the makeovers that we did with this one guy, he's a, he was a hoarder. And um, just so when we went in there and just cleaned up his house, he was just totally introverted. But when we cleaned up his house, he got rid of all of his hoarding things and just got relaunched into society by just 20, 30 people going in and just cleaning the whole place up. Makeovers can make a huge difference. He's, He's never come to our church, but that's okay. The whole aim is not for them to come to our church. The whole aim is for us to do something in our community. So um, makeovers, um, fundraising. Where's Peter and Sue go? Stand up, Peter and Sue go. Right up the back there. There's Peter and Sue. Come on, stand up. It's, it's Peter's birthday, isn't it? Your birthday, Peter? It went 60. So Peter and Sue are involved in helping fundraise. They'll be running uh, special fundraising dinners just to help focus in on chalk. Actually, they wanted to do it at the beginning of the year, and I held off because the vision wasn't clear. It's clear now. And so whenever you're ready to launch, Peter, we got a clear vision. we got people involved. It's ready now. And again, you know, my whole heart is, I don't want to ask people for resources and finances until we're really sure that what we're doing is going to give bang for buck. And so, and then, um, and then Anne is overseeing chaplaincy. We've already got um, uh, ALO, at Narrabeen Sports High School. We, folk, we pay for him to be there to help the school and just be a chaplain there as a resource in the school. Matter of fact, he's growing a beard now because he, he didn't want the kids to think that he was one of them because <laughs> they thought he was year 12. It just Alo looks so young and so he's growing a beard to make him look a bit older, a bit more mature, a bit more whatever. And, uh, and so, so we've got... We've got uh, visions for chaplains in Chatswood High School and, and Kalara High School and Willoughby Girls High School and, and just around the area, just to have chaplains to help young people navigate through life, just being there, uh, helping them, making right decisions. And this is all part of it. So get involved. You can do something. You can do something. You can donate an hour a week. You can do something. Think about it. What can you do? Because if you do something, then God will do something. And when you do something and God does something, there we have it, a miracle. And we can change our community. So I, I want to finish off today by saying this. We can't do everything, but we can do something. And too often, out of the fear of not being able to do everything, we do nothing. So don't ever, don't out of, the, out of fear of not being able to do everything, not do something, because you can do something. So you can't help everyone, but you can help someone. You can't touch everybody, but you can touch somebody. And you know what? The way that we can change our world is by changing the one. Just by starting with one. 
and just to focus on the one. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 